Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here is your host, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director. Welcome, Compounding World, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. I am your host, Mike Delisio, and I am live here at our international seminar in Houston, Texas. Uh, as we've done in the past, we've had a chance to record episodes with featured guests. I am actually not joined by with Sebastian Dennison today. I'm joined by a uh, someone who's been on the podcast twice. I have. Uh, so Nat Jones, welcome to the podcast, and and for graciously accepting the invitation. Uh, my to pleasure, be a Mike. Always, always, always. It's going to be a really cool episode. Uh, somebody that we've wanted to bring on the podcast for a while. I've always made the joke that the compounding world is full of alphabet soup, and that's PCCA. NCPA, IACP, and now we're going to bring a couple more acronyms for you, but we're joined by John Pritchett, who is Program Director for ACHC, PCAB Accreditation. So John, welcome to the podcast today. Good job. Thank you. The letters were fantastic. Great job working through that, and thanks for having me. I was convinced I was going to mess that up. (laughs) So one take, no editing, and we managed to get through it. But John, welcome. Um, We're obviously live here at our international seminar. You're you're exposed to close to 400 different compounding pharmacists at this event and something that you attend many, many times before. Talk to us a bit more about ACHC and PCAB accreditation and what that means for pharmacies and, and also your history, too, and what brought yeah, you to the organization. No, and Yeah, I think that's an important thing to talk about. And I tell people I, I owe PCCA a huge debt of gratitude because if it wasn't for PCCA, I never would have gotten into compounding in the first place. So, Likewise. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, I came into pharmacy, I so like a lot of people that, that are in the space. I got into it in high school. It was uh, a job that... Um, you know, I, I got and had an interest in pharmacy, um, went on to pharmacy school, really thought I would do some sort of retail work or something like that, and really didn't think of compounding as a viable option. You know, and they really didn't teach us, uh, you know, except wasn't held in high regard in the academic setting. Um, but somebody came around, actually gave a talk about what compounding could look like, and I was just like, that's it. That's for me. I love the hands-on approach. I love the clinical aspect, but still that kind of the, the interaction with the patients just seemed perfect. So that got me interested in compounding in the first place. So um, you know, pushed forward with it. And um, coming right out of school, it was right when USP was in its infancy. So 795 was out, 797 was, was just being developed. So this whole idea of uh, making clean rooms and that type of thing was was new and um, had some really good mentors that I was able to work with, uh, worked on bringing some facilities up to compliance and, and one of my first roles coming out was actually taking a hood in a closet and turning it into a 797 compliant clean room. Um, so that was where I really spent my time, uh, worked for a great organization. We did sterile and non-sterile compounding along with you know, traditional retail, um, I always say kind of specialty before a specialty, that type of thing. And uh, along the way, we decided to go through PCAB accreditation. So I started that process about 2007. And, you know, uh, people still today, you know, they always ask, how long does it take to get accredited? And I said, well, I, you know, when I first did it, we spent a year getting ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but went through that process, um, went through three cycles of accreditation with it. And, you know, the thing that we saw was that it, 
it, it put value back into the business. It made us better at what we did, our, our training, our procedures were better. We were a tighter organization. Uh, we were more scalable at that point. And so I, I was a big fan of that process. Um, so I was lucky to, to come on with the organization uh, back in 2014. So um, I've been with ACHC for about five years now. And uh, currently my role is um, program director over our, our pharmacy program. So I uh, spend a lot of time certainly with PCAB and it's extremely dynamic with what's going on with 795, 797, 800, um, but also work with our, our home infusion, specialty divisions, that type of thing. So if we back things up a sec, um, we think for the amount of time that people have been compounding and we, we like to think that, you know, PCC had a big part of that, individuals that started compounding in the early 80s and that evolved. Uh, when was the need born for accreditation and how was the idea even born? Because for the longest time, we had compounding pharmacies who, who managed their own practices. I'm looking at NAP because you had your own pharmacy. Oh, yeah. and, and, and there was a difference between people that did things extremely well and there was obviously rooms for improvement. So how did we get to a point where accreditation was, was looked at as being something viable? Sure. So it actually started as kind of a sidebar conversation. It, you know, at events just like this, where you had the USP chapters, there really wasn't any regulatory requirement to follow this thing. So they were just industry best practices. And pharmacies were choosing to adopt these. Um, and they wanted a way to kind of tell everybody they work with, you know, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. So um, that, that's really where it began. Um, it was just a way to, to demonstrate this, so a way for pharmacies to tell their their patients, their customers, the prescribers that send them prescriptions. Here's why you should use my pharmacy, and you know why I'm different from the guy down the street. So yeah, you know, that was the genesis, and and for a very long time, and even to this day, it's very much uh, a voluntary process that pharmacies elect to go through. Just you know, compounders, we tend to want to be the best and continually improve at what we do. And this is a way for them to set themselves apart. I know that uh, when in, the, in uh, New England compounding occurred, uh, there was a lot more intense interest in becoming PCAB accredited. And uh, I mean, I would have physicians call and because and, we did a lot of sterile compounding and they would specifically ask, are you PCAB accredited? And if you weren't, they didn't want to do business with you. That was another notch up, I think, in terms of the desire to be accredited. Oh, absolutely. And there's, there's been different drivers along the way. Um, you know, people always ask that are, that are new to the concept. They're like, you know, why should I go through accreditation? And what's, what's the reason for doing it? And I, th there's different reasons why people pursue it. Um, yeah, sometimes it's the providers that are driving it. Uh, you know, I had a gentleman come up to me a while back who's a new compounder. And as he was going out making marketing calls, uh, these guys were, you know, physicians were asking him, are you accredited? And we only work with accredited pharmacies, so so that can be one of the things. Um, you know, I, I still say the the main reason people do it is that whole just USP compliance. You know, mm -hmm. we're not a regulatory agency, so we're the ones. Sometimes you want to come in and find the issues and help you correct those. But um, you know, you're seeing other drivers for it. Uh, sometimes, as compounders are participating in like the third party space, that can be part of the credentialing process. So we're seeing uh, some payers, some PBMs looking for it. Um, we've got some states that will accept it as, you know, if you want to say a non-resident license, uh, your PCAB accreditation can be one of the things that, that's an avenue there. Um, so there's different drivers as to, you know, why one might go for it. How did, how did you, uh, how can I put this? 
what, how did it become into the spotlight? Like how did accreditation all of a sudden, was it born organically? Or was it something that ACHC and PCAB focused on behind the scenes in speaking with pairs or in speaking with groups of physicians? Or was it something that just happened organically? Mm -hmm. So I'd say generally speaking, it was organic. You know, again, it came from pharmacies wanting to go down this road. Um, now, I will tell you that, you know, people always look at, uh, you know, how did ACHC and PCAB merge together? Part of the reason that they did that back in 2014 was that people wanted more out of their accreditation than just, okay, I had a survey, I look good, done. Um, they wanted a little more, uh, I don't know if backbone's the right word, but uh, more value out of their accreditation. And um, that's part of why ACHC and PCAB merged together. Prior to PCAB was, was just a couple of people that ran the whole organization, and they did a good job of you know, writing standards, doing surveys, but couldn't do much beyond that. Um, when the merger with ACHC occurred, you now have an organization that can go out and you know, seek to put more value in that. So you know, something we actively do is, you know, for example, go and, and visit state boards of pharmacy. And we, we talk about how accreditation could be utilized in a space like that. Um, we have payers reach out to us, and that's something you know, we can have a conversation and talk about that. And honestly, at, at meetings like this, where our customers come up and I hear their pain points, that drives what we do very much. So as they tell me about you know, trade shows we should attend, people we should have uh, contacts and discussions with, you know, we take those on as action items. And you know, we do whatever we can to put the value in it for our customers. I got a question to shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, say you're a retail pharmacy or a compounding pharmacy and you're not accredited yet. Uh, I know you guys have a, an institute that helps people uh, get ready mm -hmm. for accreditation. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, so that's something it's, it's undergone a few name changes, um, but we, we refer to it as ACHCU, short for ACHC University. And what that is is we would always get questions as people were pre preparing for accreditation. Uh, you know, what are things that can help them out? And that's what ACHC is there to deliver. Um, it's, it's not consulting per se, um, but it's uh, things like workshops. We can come out and demystify the accreditation process. They learn about the standards. Um, we have things like SOP manuals, available workbooks, that for, type of for thing. For people that are not detailed people, that can be a daunting thing to look at accreditation with, oh, absolutely. when you first start down that road. And, yeah. and kind of getting back to what I said earlier, where you know, it took me a year to prepare for accreditation. Um, you know, I was the guy in the pharmacy kind of doing all It's hard to find. The reason is it takes a lot of time. It does. And you're already busy doing a bunch of other things. So um, it's not a bad business decision, you know, depending on where you are, maybe to, to speed that up, to move that along, get some help. Sometimes it's, it's well worth it to yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. So um, we'll also talk about, uh, you know, we talked about how people got involved with accreditation. You mentioned that it was, I was, from the sounds of it, very limited staff. And, you know, I think about surveying and going through that accreditation process. So over time, how many people have been accredited in the United States? So with the PCAB program, when I started back in 2014, I think we were about 250 PCAB accredited pharmacies. Um, now we're close to 700 Wow! Uh, with the numbers. And um, yeah, it, the, the program's seen really good growth. Um, and then, you know, just across ACHC spectrum, we accredit things 
you know, other than PCAB. So you get into specialty pharmacy, home infusion, DME. Uh, one of the things that's helped it grow is we can accredit pharmacies for you know, other things they work in. So if they want to get into the specialty space, if they're doing home infusion, if medical equipment's part of it, um, we can take care of that for them and kind of bundle it all together. And then uh, they really appreciate that. You know, most of our popular podcasts, the ones that we've seen probably the most uptick and the ones that really catch people's eye are anything relating to regulatory. So when it comes to 795, 797, 800, we did a whole series where each episode focused on the proposed changes. Mm. We looked back at the data and it's like, okay, why are these podcasts so much more popular than anything else we do? Um, and I have a feeling it'll be the same thing with this podcast, John, because individuals want to know about how to stay on top of regulations. But not only that, how to marry that with being the, the best and being recognized as not only a best practice, but um, kind of getting that competitive advantage versus somebody else. What challenges do you foresee uh, for the future for someone who wants to maybe be brand new, wants to get involved and look at accreditation? Has there been any roadblocks or any limitations for, for you as an organization? I wouldn't say there's been any roadblocks. Um, any difficulties in, in terms of getting people set up? Is there any, because I know time is an issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really depends on the organization. Um, and that's part of where the whole ACHCU concept came out was to help move people along. Um, you know, organizations that get held up, a lot of times it's not being able to commit the time to it. Um, sometimes we still run into places that treat it like it's a rubber stamp type thing mm -hmm. where, you know, you, you kind of pay to play and you get to get in and, you know, we're not that organization. So, uh, you know, we really try to educate people before we come out, like, you know, get the, get the SOPs out of the cellophane before we arrive, <laughs> uh, make sure that you've downloaded the standards. I mean, things that you would just, you would assume people would do, um, but there's still a challenge sometimes. Uh, back to your point a minute ago, Mike, uh, the fact that the, these po podcasts on regulatory issues are, are so popular. Right now, we're looking at major changes. Obviously, they're mm -hmm. being implemented with 795, 797. If they, I'm assuming they will all eventually get uh, uh, um, uh, implemented uh, after this little glitch in the uh, holdup in the uh, release process. But um, it's a huge thing because it, people that have not been um, focusing hard on the regulatory side of things are now being told they have to focus on the regulatory side of things. And, and people are having to make huge wholesale changes a lot of times in the layout of their lab, the expenditures of the equipment and all that sort of stuff. So it's a big investment. So I mean, sure. I, and it's like yesterday here at our international seminar, his workshop sold out. Literally, it was, there was not a seat left. I mean, so it kind of shows you where everybody's focusing because we want to be ready for this as an industry. We have to be ready for this as it comes. So I think it's, it's pretty timely. Yeah. It is. And you know, I was telling somebody yesterday, like, you know, one of the, the, the things that I really enjoy, I mean, it's hard for pharmacies to keep up with what's going on. You know, you're, you're trying to take care of patients. Like, mm -hmm. so I, I kind of look at our role <clears throat> over at PCAB, like, let us help you ensure that you're in compliance. That's part of that, that whole survey process. That's having somebody come out and take a look at those things and, and help you know that you're in a good space with that so that you can get back to focusing on, you know, what you need to do in your business and, and take care of those patients. And, uh, you know, yeah, the, the whole USP change, 795, 797, 800, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, we were within a week or two of putting out our new standards that would, would address 795 and 797. And then, you know, September 23rd, we had to pump the brakes on everything. So 
they're there, they're kind of waiting in the wings and we'll release them and once we learn more about where the chapter's gonna go with the appeals and everything like that. Um, and we do have the USP 800 accreditation. It's, it's an optional program for pharmacies to, to go through right now. And again, that's just because of the, the nature of the industry, the uncertainty in the states, we didn't wanna make pharmacies go through it, but it's there as a tool for our, our pharmacies. They can get the standards, they can use it to look at their compliance and then they can go through the accreditation if they want it. And, that, you know, and I've been really proud. We've got a lot of pharmacies that um, they're electing to do it. They don't have to, but they're taking those uh, steps to, to protect their employees, their staff and, and get 800 compliant. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been great to see that. Um, you asked about challenges earlier. You know, one of the challenges we are running into though is uh, they're having to move their facilities a lot. And you know, as far as timeliness, lining them up with surveys, a lot of people are uh, held up with contractors and that sort of thing. I mean, that's, that's just a challenge that's, that's in the industry right now. And uh, you know, something I encouraged in the workshop yesterday was you know, just because the chapters have been delayed, don't delay your work on this because uh, you know, you're not gonna go out and just find a contractor tomorrow that can dive right in and get working on this. So um, yeah, just a little, little PSA there, but uh, yeah, be moving forward with this stuff and know what the chapters say. I'm, I'm still always, I guess, surprised that uh, the lack of knowledge around those things. But, but again, uh, you know, I, I do see that as kind of our role to help educate pharmacies. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep on doing that. If you had to pick out maybe one or two things that uh, seem to be the biggest challenges with these new regula regulations coming their way for, in terms of implementation amongst your, your, um, your membership or your, your clients, what would you say those are? So, you know, particularly with a, a lot of the, the quality sides of 795 and, and the new 797, honestly, a lot of the things our pharmacy is already doing them. Um, they are taking what was in the older chapters and kind of incorporating some more of the be best practices that we've recommended for a while. So that that side of things is is not a big deal. I mean, the hard part, and I'm glad the appeals are happening, to be honest with you, is the beyond use dating. Um, when we're on survey, part of what we want to do is not, we don't just look for deficiencies, and we want to help pharmacies find a pathway to get those items corrected. And uh, to be honest with you, when I'm thinking through the BUDs and you know, just thinking through my experience in compounding, I was like, I, I just don't know how some of these things would work, especially with sterile. So um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that that is the subject of the appeal. I hope that that goes somewhere. So this is something, well, to, this, when I refer to this, I'm, I'm talking about international seminar. Uh, we try to minimize it at times, but really give you everyone out there, our listeners especially, a better understanding. It really is the biggest event that we have in the compounding space in the United States. Um, this event represents a lot to us because it brings all of our members together. For our listeners who haven't attended, it's, it's really an opportunity not just to learn from PCCA, but individuals like you. So I want to talk about your workshop a bit because Nat alluded to the fact that it was sold out yesterday. Um, so when you think about the workshop that you have to create and, and you know, some of the educational content that you're delivering, what are some of the things that you got to keep top of mind to keep things fresh and to keep things new so that there is value for, mm -hmm. for compounding pharmacies? Yeah, I think the thing we, we always push to do is, you know, anybody can read the chapter. Like you can sit there and go through it and, okay, that looks great. But we always try to filter it through how does this apply in an individual setting. In a real so, world application. Yeah, how does, how does this really work? Um, so, right, you know, I was able to do a, a short 
uh, presentation at the workshop yesterday, um, ACHC through ACHCU, we do uh, a workshop. Typically, it's two days when we get into compounding, and it's a full day on 795, 797, and then we do a full day of 800 as well. And it's not just a regurgitation of what you can read. It's let's talk about how you actually go about doing these things. You know, what does it look like to set up a lab? How do you put on your PPE? Uh, where do you wash your hands? How do you, how do you get the right HVAC system? I mean, that practical stuff that you don't get just reading through the chapter. So I think that's what people have appreciated with that, and that's what we always try to do with our workshops, is just put that kind of that real world spin on it. Um, I love taking questions. You know, something I always say is, uh, you know, I, I really like dialogue during our workshops because I learn too. You know, when, when I hear from, from our customers, from the attendees that come in, you know, I want to hear what they have to say because, you know, that changes how we do things. It makes us think through things that maybe we haven't before. Um, so I, I love that type of interaction. We had some good questions in the workshops yesterday that, you know, Hopefully, it, it spawns some ideas for people. So that was really great. Any any cool questions you can share? Some of the things that maybe you hadn't heard before, or maybe positioned in a different way. Um, you know, sometimes it's things like products that people are using. Um, you know, and being a a lot of times the stuff we present as CE, we don't endorse products per se. Mm -hmm. um, but people always want to hear what's the other guy using that that's working well for them. And I always like it when people in the workshop maybe. You bring up some kind of software, uh, you know, bases they're using. We talked a lot yesterday about some of the new PCCA bases that are coming out. Um, cleaning agents, that type mm -hmm. of thing. Those, 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 those uh, elicit some really good discussion, which I think becomes very valuable for people as they go back and start implementing this stuff in their mm -hmm. practice. Cleaning agents is an area I think there's a void right now. 100% agree. So any entrepreneur out there, take that as a side mm -hmm. note. Yeah, really. So, um, John, a, a big reason why we wanted you on the podcast is, you know, if you're not live present here, people can't really seek you out directly. How can an individual find ACHC? How can they speak to you specifically or a member of your team sure. um, and talk a bit more about what the next steps are if somebody wants to go through the accreditation process? Yeah, yeah. so um, one of two ways. Um, Certainly the website's an option, www.achc.org. You can go on there. If you're interested in pursuing accreditation, you can create an account and begin the process there. Um, but one of, the, you know, one of the other things that we pride ourselves on at ACHC is, is customer service and your ability to reach us, our response times. So if you call us, um, go ahead, grab the phone. You're going to get a live person that you talk to. They can connect you with our team. Um, everybody going through the accreditation process actually gets assigned a, an individual called an account advisor, and they're your contact as you go through uh, the entire journey of becoming accredited. They're not necessarily a clinician, um, but they're an expert on that process. And um, you know, if you call them, they will call you back within four hours. Uh, typically, they'll answer their, your, their phone right then, but um, very easy to get in touch with. Um, and begin that conversation. So if you're interested in accreditation, one of those two routes would be really good. Um, if you want to reach me, again, call in and you'll get patched over to me. Um, I do travel a lot, so you're not always going to catch me right then. Um, you can certainly email me. A lot of times that's a better way, jpritchett at achc.org. And uh, yeah, I'm always available. Um, I have a team of, of full-time pharmacists and technicians as well that 
um, can assist with clinical questions, um, things pertaining to you know, interpretation of standards and that type of thing. And you know, we always want to be accessible. So um, people feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. I appreciate you sharing your personal information because a lot of the times we're so hesitant to share it. And the last thing we want to do, like Sebastian's like, please do not share my email address ever again. <laughs> my inbox is full. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's great <laughs> that you did that. And, and John, maybe in your own words, what is the, the future vision for ACHE, ACHE and what direction are maybe you guys headed? So we're always just going to continue to be putting more value into the accreditation. So um, you know, some of those things that, that you know, I mentioned were important for people before, mm -hmm. whether it's, it's certainly being in compliance with standards is going to be number one. Um, but we want pharmacies to be recognized for that. And I think that's where we put a lot of our efforts behind the scenes. And so looking at where pharmacies have pain points, where can we bring them value, that's where we want to be working. So whether it's, you know, like you were saying earlier, the practitioners recognize it. You know, we want prescriptions going to those accredited pharmacies. Um, if, it's, if, you're, if you participate in the third party space, you know, is that getting you access to payment and that type of thing? Um, you know, we look at, at um, you know, we're even starting to look at the whole customer type thing. That's a, a huge audience to reach and that's you know, an, an interesting uh, thing to get into, but yeah, starting to get into that whole thing of you know, advertising to the consumer and the, the people who might utilize your pharmacy as patients, you know, reaching to them so they would be looking for that type of thing. So yeah, again, we're always just looking at, at bringing value to the accreditation. Speaking of bringing value to the accreditation, if um, you're, you have members or, or clients that are accredited, PCAP accredited, does that help them in any way with um, being licensed in multiple states? It can, yeah. So it's, it's something that's, and, it, and it's interesting. Some states, it's formally recognized. Right. Um, where it's, you know, you can actually go and it's there in the rules. Um, it, it's spelled out. Um, what we see practically a lot of times is states don't have it spelled out, but if you submit your accreditation, a lot of times they will accept it. Um, something that we can do for our customers is we can actually run a report of our entire data collection tool. Um, so it's a lot, normally we would just send them a report with just the deficiencies and they do their plan of correction on it. Um, we can give them this entire tool that basically, you know, it's every question we ask while we're on survey. Uh, a lot of times that works well when submitting mm -hmm. to a regulatory body. So, so you can see what you're option. doing right. Exactly. Not, not just yeah, not just here's what right. was wrong, yeah. but, you know, maybe you had five things that were out of compliance, but you had, you know, here's 40 pages worth of what you did right. Exactly. Uh, which, yeah. which is really good. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And, and again, you know, we want to hear from people. If, if they're in a state that did not accept it, let us know about it. And then that's on our radar of places we need to go visit and we take that on. So, um, you know, People, I, I love it when they reach out and let us know about that stuff because if we're not made aware, we, we just don't know what's going on. So, um, yeah, email me again, jpritchett at <laughs> achc.org. Awesome, John. You know, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, it, it was a big opportunity for us to have you on. We, th we think that there should be way more awareness around your organization and what you do. We consider you guys a strategic partner. Uh, definitely appreciate the fact that you're here. And we do hope that some of our members do seek out your, your organization for your assistance and, and hopefully for accreditation, because I think it, it means so much to our marketplace. And definitely- Raises the bar. It does, and it raises credibility for everybody, so. Thanks for having us, and yeah, we've had a lot of fantastic conversations, both with current customers and, and people interested in it, so it's been fantastic, so appreciate it, and, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, and we do hope that people will 
take up your word for it and actually reach out to your personal email. So <laughs> or be patched through, through the yep. organization. But thanks so much, John. Appreciate you coming on board. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners out there for tuning into this special episode of Immortal and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. Just a quick reminder to like and subscribe to both LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and obviously through either iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Until next time, I'm Mike Delisio, and thanks for listening.